All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Second Chance. Today on this episode, we have Lucy Wolfman. Lucy, uh, we've been connected for some time on Facebook, and you know, I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. I find your your story truly inspiring, and, and I wanted to just introduce Kelly, introduce yourself, and just tell us a little bit about your story. Okay, hey, uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So my story is that about 10 months ago, I was on my way home. I was on a motorbike and I got T-boned by a car that went through, went through a light. Mm-hmm. I, believe, I believe she was on her phone when she went through her light because that's what I remember. But that is all still up in the air because yeah. it's quite a recent-ish accident. So it's going through the legal channels now. So mm-hmm. I can't talk too much about that. Yeah. But yeah, the, my accident was about 10 months ago and I I had a brain bleed. I had eight broken ribs, a punctured lung, four breaks in my back. And then my leg was partially severed. My kneecap was shattered and pushed up inside my thigh. And my leg was sort of hanging on by just a bit of muscle at the back. I had a lot of open compound fractures through through my shin and about 80% of the bones in my foot were broken. So they thought that they were going to have to amputate it. But luckily they didn't because medicine is wonderful. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I'm still trying to, I'm still doing my best to hang on to it. I don't mm-hmm. know how long I'll have it for my mm-hmm. leg, but I'm doing my best. For sure. Hopefully you have it for, for the rest of your life, you know, fingers crossed. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you there. <laughs> well, I only want it if it works. <laughs> yeah, 100%, 100%. Now, with this trauma you've experienced 10 months ago, how has your life changed because of it? Oh, it's, it's completely changed. I don't even recognize myself or my life. I, you know, I rehab is a full-time job now I can't I mean I'm still in a wheelchair I had to learn how to do a lot of things for myself again I can't work I'm I'm never really left alone my family had to come out from the UK back and forth and back and forth luckily I have a very very supportive partner I feel very sorry for people that have to do this alone because my partner and my twin sister they really did a lot of caring for me in the hospital they both slept with me every night next Mm -hmm. to my bed for for months and then my dad kept coming out here um but in terms of how my life has changed it's that you know I can't walk I can't do anything around the house Mm -hmm. for myself I had I had a brain bleed and I I don't remember a lot of things like I'll be in the middle of a conversation and I'll just I'll completely forget what I'm talking about um Mm -hmm. I can't I can't read as well because I can't focus Mm -hmm. on anything so any like books or messages like even on my phone I can't look at it for longer than a few minutes so I get very dizzy and nauseous I can't drive work cook clean I can barely I can barely get myself to the bathroom on my own so it's been a significant change to say the least yeah it's been Mm -hmm. it's been a significant change my life now just revolves around wake up Mm -hmm. take drugs 
do physiotherapy, do hydrotherapy, do speech therapy, do like counselling, have mm. hospital appointments, have scans. It's just, yeah, rehab is a full-time job and that's mm. basically all I can do now. For sure. And, you know, it's, it's something that you said there because I remember going through that as well, you know, going through like all the appointments, the numerous appointments you have to go to. I don't think people understand, right, how many doctor's appointments you really have to go to, especially, you know, we were talking a little bit before about the legal battles because, you know, that's a little back, a whole other story separate from your rehabilitation, right? Because you have, you have um, to have those appointments plus your own physical rehabilitation. Um, so I haven't actually, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I was just okay. going to say yeah. I haven't actually started the legal battle yet. So all of mm-hmm. those appointments are still to come. Still upcoming, right? So you, know, you kind yeah. of brace yourself for those as well. You know, that's a another um, <laughs> as, <laughs> aspect of the rehabilitation process and also like, you know, getting what's, 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 what's owed to you basically from the accident, you know? Um, yeah. Now, Describe what your re- recovery processes really look like. I know you touched on you have some hydrotherapy, some physiotherapy, some speech therapy. Is there anything else that you do? Yeah, so I think at the, at the beginning, because I had so many open wounds, because mm-hmm. um, I was in hospital for months, mm-hmm. and really all I could do was use a little dumbbell to do a couple of weights in bed. That's how I could start but it was quite difficult because I did have a broken back and ribs as well when I came out of the hospital I have physiotherapy I have a great lady called Bronwyn who comes around at the moment she's coming twice a week Mm -hmm. and I have a hydrotherapist Vicky that comes around once a week but when they're not there my home care, Marianne she actually does all of my exercises with me every single day Mm -hmm. so I'll usually, now that all of my open wounds are closed, I will try and get in the the pool every day, at least four times a week, weather mm. dependent, to yeah. do those exercises. And then every two hours, Marianne will help me do my other exercises. So it's a lot of, she does a lot, um, helps me a lot with trying to move my foot as mm. much as possible because my foot is the bigger problem out of my foot and my knee at the moment and it Mm -hmm. just doesn't work she'll try and walk around the block with me Mm -hmm. um, on my crutches Um, she'll try and get me out in the wheelchair but I don't I don't really like going out in public because I get I have a lot of PTSD Mm -hmm. but yeah it's pretty much throughout the day we're just doing exercise every couple of hours and it is physically and mentally exhausting. I bet. And I can completely relate to you because, you know, I, the, the, the lucky thing for me is I was um, a lot younger and you know, I was uh, 15 years old when I had my um, car accident. And, you know, I, I, I'm grateful that it happened when I was younger because I, when you're younger, you can heal faster, right? You have that ability yeah. that when you're older, because now you're fully, you know, you're fully grown and like your body takes longer to heal. So I'm grateful that, 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 happened when I was younger and opposed to when I was older. But you touched on, you know, different modalities for your, your home care and your therapy. Have you got any therapy when it comes to like your, your brain bleed and your traumatic brain injury? Yes, I do. So I have a neurologist. Mm-hmm. I have neuropsychologist, yeah. a psychologist, and I have an occupational therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have like, 
for my brain, there's like four different types of therapists that are mm. trying to help me at the yeah. moment. And I don't, I don't know what they're all called, mm-hmm. but to be honest, my partner actually is in charge of the majority of my care because mm-hmm. I don't remember anything. Like yeah. if someone asks me to make an appointment, I'll say, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll do it mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And then I won't do it and I'll forget about it. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, have mm-hmm. you done this? And I'll be like, oh, damn it. No, yeah. I haven't. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So I actually am not, not only do I not trust myself to, to do anything organizational, but nobody mm. else trusts me either. <laughs> and it's for, good, it's for good reason though, because I just, I don't know what's going on in mm. my own life. Like I don't, I just can't keep a track of anything. Mm-hmm. And then I get very frustrated and I get very emotional. For sure. And for sure. I, I know that I'm not the same person but I can't see it as much as an outside person sees it looking at me. And it's Mm -hmm. just, it's hard because I can see how stressful it is having to take care of me as a carer rather than as a partner. Mm -hmm. But my, I'm so, so lucky. I'm so blessed that my family and my spouse have taken that on. Yeah. It's really important to, that we have those support systems in place, you know, and, and, and for people who don't have it, it is very tough. You know, I have my mom, my, my brother, my sister all took very good care of me during my, my time, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's very important that we have that going forward. But given all of your rehabilitation, what do you think has been the biggest obstacle for you in terms of your recovery? I think, oh, do you know what? That's a really hard question because... Mm-hmm there are so many different aspects of the accident that are still affecting me so deeply. Like off the bat, I would say it's my mobility and the fact that I can't stand up for longer than 20 or 30 minutes because my foot will go purple and it will swell and it will be so painful. Mm -hmm. But then it's also the fact that I need a wheelchair to go anywhere Anywhere, other than like I can shuffle around the house on crutches but it's not I I really can't walk so my mobility has been a big big problem but also so has not been able to work because I you know it was my job was my dream job and I was Mm -hmm. independent and you know having to rely on my family and my partner for everything. Like I can't even get up and get myself a glass of water and go back Mm. to the chair. Like just having to rely on other people for absolutely everything when I used to be so independent is brutal. Mm -hmm. It's brutal being in pain constantly. Like I don't sleep because I have such severe nerve pain. It's been almost a year and I still take morphine every single day I'm on so many meds that mess up my stomach and I can't move so I'm gaining weight which makes me uncomfortable Mm -hmm. but then there's the psychological stuff I can't the last couple of times I've tried to leave the house I have very severe like PTSD and anxiety attacks Mm -hmm. and I have night terrors and I can't watch TV because if there's something on the news 
or there's a loud noise or there's a car accident. Mm. I just melt into this puddle of screaming tears and it's mm. not, this isn't who, who I am and yeah. who I used to be. And I think it's hard because even though 10 months sounds like a long time, compared to how long my recovery is going to be, it's really, I'm just at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know what I would say the hardest thing is. Yeah. Probably, yeah. probably things like this. Like I'm trying to talk to you and I'm not getting my words out. Yeah, that's, that's, that's totally fine because don't, don't worry about it because you're talking to a survivor too, right? So, you, you know, yeah. when I was 10 months, you know, post-accident, I couldn't remember anything actually. Like literally my short-term memory was terrible. You would tell me something like, for example, my mom would be like, okay, Kel, you know, just get ready for your home care guy to come. You know, he's going to be here in, in 10 minutes. And I literally look her in the face and be like, yes, okay, hundred percent. And then two minutes later, I forget exactly what I was supposed to do. You know, and I'm there just looking around and I'm like, you know, you have to do something. But you're just like, I have no idea what's going on, you know? That's exactly what it's like. And it's yeah. such a scary feeling. It is. Knowing that, like, because I know that I'm messing something up. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that, like, or when I'm in a conversation and someone's looking at me and yeah. I've realised that I... Kind of lost the conversation. That, yeah, and they're staring at me and they're being very patient waiting and mm-hmm. I'm being patient waiting. Yeah. And I think come on, come back to me, come yeah, on. For sure. And most of the time, it doesn't. And mm-hmm. I'm just standing there going, they're waiting for me, say something, say mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. But, but, you know, that does get better. I can say, uh, you know, 100%, it gets better. You know, it takes time and it takes patience, you know. Um, Which is my biggest issue, is my impatience, because mm-hmm. I don't want the longer it takes, the more time has been stolen out of my life. Mm-hmm. I don't, I feel like I'm in this period of limbo mm-hmm. and the longer the limbo lasts, the less likely I'll be to get my life back. Mm-hmm. And it's also all been made a lot worse by the fact that I am also not just grieving for my mobility and my freedom and the life that I had. I'm also grieving because my mom just mm-hmm. passed away in the UK yeah. from COVID. So the, 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 all of that on top of the accident mm-hmm. has just, yeah. Like it, it drains you, you know, it's yeah. just, I feel like I was sort of starting to cope okay with the accident part mm-hmm. and then I lost my mum and mm-hmm. then it just went, no, now you can't cope with any of it. For sure, for sure. And now would you say that, you know, with the, the accident itself and then this happened with your, your mom, you know, sorry for your loss, by the way, you know, that's super Thank tough. You. Did you, would you say that, that that trauma kind of impacted your mental health? You know, I know you talked a little bit about, you know, some depression and anxiety yeah. and just, you know, having like PTSD just from watching TV, all those stuff. Can you expand on, you know, the effects this accident had on your mental health? Yeah. So it's, it's just absolutely destroyed me. Firstly, mm-hmm. I get very angry now, whereas I never really used to be, and I would never, I used to be a bit moody, sure, because, mm-hmm. you know, that's hormonal, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I never 
used to have a temper or be angry and I wouldn't Mm -hmm. and now I get so frustrated at myself I get so angry that I'm even in this situation Mm -hmm. that I feel like just a complete like rage at the 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 injustice of it all Mm -hmm. and I get I'm severely severely depressed I've actually about this I have like five five of my physicians wanted me to go on antidepressants mm-hmm. and I fought it the whole time. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I have enough chemicals in my body already. I'm trying to come off of my drugs, not take more. more yeah. But it actually got to the point where last week I, I was just, I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I just, mm-hmm. I can't cope. And I literally, I was in the middle of a session. I was bawling my eyes out and I just took it off the shelf because it had been sitting there, like, mm-hmm. waiting for me, waiting for the moment that I cracked. And yeah. I just took it off the shelf and started taking it. So I have, mm-hmm. I've started taking antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication now mm-hmm. just because it steadily got worse and worse and worse and worse. And the PTSD part of it, I feel like, has changed me in the way that I used to be very independent and I would go out all the time. And now I don't want to leave the house Mm -hmm. because if I leave the house, then I'm worried something bad will happen. So I'll only leave the house if I have to go to the hospital. And even, even at the beginning of the accident in my recovery, when my dad was out here and my sister was out here, they would, Mm -hmm. we would, go out every now and then and it wasn't as much of an issue it's actually been more recently which is very odd to me Mm -hmm. because it's like oh now this is a problem too Mm -hmm. okay great yeah um like I went I went out recently and I was just on in my wheelchair and I was going along the beach when there was a huge procession of motorcycles and I just broke down I froze and then I started screaming and like covering my head and it was the noise and then the light Mm -hmm. and all of it was just too much and I could hear myself screaming and I couldn't stop myself Mm -hmm. and I I came home straight away and I fell asleep for like three hours because I was so physically drained from it and this has happened the last four times that I've been out and now I'm like I'm just not going to go out anymore. Mm-hmm. Without your courage is inspiring, you know, you're actually making steps. You know, I know you just said, Oh, I'm never going to go out again, but who knows that can happen tomorrow. Tomorrow you can get up and feel amazing. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know, I want to go outside today. Just, just for a little, you know, walk around the block or something, you know, you know, with your partner or whatever, but you know, just, just stay strong. You know, this, again, you said something very important, a little while ago that, you know, in terms of the length of your recovery, this is just the beginning, right? So you have tons of room to improve. What a horrible thought that I've got another, like, two or three years of being like this, that. Now, that's a depressing thought. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm lucky because I feel like there are people out there that won't recover as well as I hope to. Mm-hmm. You got a second I have chance. To be grateful for that. Yeah, I'm very, very grateful chance. for that. 
Mm-hmm. And, and the gratitude part is the most important part. You know, uh, I was very grateful for my family, my home care, my, my, my neurology team, my physical rehabilitation team, all those people is what helped me get through it. And I'm, I'm more than, more than confident that your team can help you get through it as well. And even now, right, I still struggle to find words to come out of my mouth. Even, you know, it's almost been 13 years of, after my car accident, right? So it's always a work in, in progress. And, you know, this is why I'm doing this, because your story is what people need to hear. Because these struggles are, other people are going through it. And, it's, and oftentimes you feel alone. And now I know we connected through that group, you know, on Facebook about the uh, the car accident survivors and TBI survivors as well. And that's very much needed, but we need to do more. And that's why I'm here, uh, you know, just to share your story because I, I think it's super yeah. important. And, and I thank you for doing mm-hmm. that. It's, you're right. I found one of the problems I had when I was in hospital, everybody would come and visit and they would tell me all of these inspirational stories about athletes and people who you know went on to win gold medals or or run around Australia and I thought well that's all well and good but they're the exception not the rule and if that happened to everybody it wouldn't be against the odds and I was Mm -hmm. like what about people that were not athletes to begin with Mm -hmm. what where are their stories and um I I know what you mean by wanting to get your story across and to help people. And that's why I've decided to go and speak Mm -hmm. at driver education courses Mm -hmm. because ironically, I actually had to do one of those courses Mm -hmm. not long before my accident because I, not purposely, but sometimes, you know, you go through, you lose points on your license for, oh, you've gone through a red light camera Mm -hmm. by accident or you've just gone a little bit over the speed limit. You know, so many people do it. And I, so that happened. I I had accrued a lot of points and needed to do this drive education course. And I remember when I was at the course, they show you all these old videos and give you these statistics about, you know, people that get into these accidents. And that actually made me be a much better driver because I was like, Oh my God, this is real people that are getting hurt. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of ironic that I did a driver, a course in good driving and then got hit by a car. Mm -hmm. But I thought if I can go and speak at these and they can hear it from an actual person and not a video made in 1980 mm-hmm. then maybe that will reach more people and I can be an advocate for safe driving hopefully oh it's not even a I maybe haven't done it yet. it's, it's not even a maybe Lucy. you're gonna help a ton of people right it's different when it's coming from somebody who's experienced it you know and from again you talked about it like a, a video from 1980 I remember those videos it's not relatable you know <laughs> you can't relate to this person in the 80s you know Times have changed. There's way more cars on the road. Your risk level is way higher. Um, people so are on their phones now. People are on their phones now. Everybody's texting and driving. Everybody's distracted. So How crazy that cars used to have car phones and now being on your phone in the car is illegal. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> that is true. But the thing is, they, they, uh, the car phones didn't have text ability, right? True, but can yeah. you imagine people driving with a little phone with a little cord attached to their center console? I like, couldn't yeah, even imagine. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't born yet. Oh, <laughs> how, wait, how old are you? I'm 27. I'm turning 28 in September. That's crazy. That makes me feel old. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> right. 
Now, you know, I know you touched on your, your family and how they've been a big support, support system for you. Um, but I want to also talk about what are like three characteristics you would say you need to really, you know, push through and recover. Like, you know, for me, for example, I always say the three characteristics you need is, you know, courage, consistency, and, you know, a commitment to your recovery. You know, if you have those three things, your chances get are much higher of recovering faster uh, because yeah. you have that kind of self-belief in yourself and you have that commitment to getting better. For me, it was all about getting back to the soccer field. I, I didn't care about anything else but playing soccer. <laughs> I was really young and that's all I cared about. It was like, okay, I just need to go play with my friends. Um, so you, can you? Can you play soccer now? And now I can play soccer. Yes, of course, everything is different than before. But yes, I'm back on the soccer field doing the sport that I've played for forever now. And, and with, without That's me being... Great. That's awesome. You no, know, and without me getting back to that sport, my depressive episodes would have been even more. I don't think I would get to university. And I wouldn't be the person I am today without getting that back into my life because it was so important to me. So with that being said, what are three characteristics do you think survivors need to have to recover successfully? I think patience it's something that I struggle with I I know that like I I'm so sick of this limbo and I'm so sick of because I don't feel like I'm living I feel like I'm just existing Mm. and everyone keeps saying you know it's so early in your journey it's gonna get better just be patient and even Mm. the doctors like when I was at the hospital yesterday Mm. they were so pleased with how it's going Mm -hmm. and they said to me because I so my leg is currently still broken Mm -hmm. um it's not it wasn't healing properly and I've been using this fantastic machine called an exogen machine Mm -hmm. and that you attack I attach it to my leg every day for about uh 40 minutes a day in two different spots and it sends sound waves through to the bone to Mm -hmm. promote healing yeah I've been using that for five months, which is around the time it takes. And to me, that was a long time. Mm -hmm. And then yesterday they said, great, to keep doing what you're doing for another five months. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, sorry, what? Another five months? That's almost half a year where Mm -hmm. I have to stay in this limbo. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, because it takes time. And I'm like, well, there's time. And then there's literally taking years out of my life so even though I don't have a lot of patience I think patience is something that you need 100%. I think hope is another one because I know that I've had a lot of periods where I haven't had any hope Mm -hmm. but the people around me have had enough hope for me to keep me going, Mm -hmm. especially during my depressing times. I'll be like, I can't do this and I can't do that. And what's the point? I have gone through a lot of periods where I've said, what is the point? I Mm -hmm. don't see the point. I'm never going to get back to this and I'm never going to get back to that. So I think if you have hope and you have something to fight for, then that will pull you through those dark times. Mm -hmm. And then I guess... The last one, gratitude, I think. Because if I 
I'm so grateful that I'm still alive. Mm-hmm. At no point have I ever, well, okay, when I was in hospital and I was in a lot of pain, I was out of it, I did say, I said some things. I would say things like, I can't do this anymore. Just mm-hmm. make everything stop. Yeah. Take it all away. I don't want to, I'd say, I don't want to be here. I don't mm-hmm. want to keep going. But mm-hmm. now that I'm past that point, I am so grateful to be here. Yeah. I've, in the long-term recovery, I've never once wished that I hadn't made it off the road. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, when people were in severe pain, you say a lot of things, but that wasn't the real me and the real me is grateful to be here. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when I can't find, when I don't have the hope, I'm still grateful to be here and I will find, try and find little things in each day that bring me joy. So if I can't walk and I'm in pain, I'll be grateful for the fact that I can still use my hands. Mm -hmm. If my hands are hurting, I'll be grateful that I still have my sight and I can Mm -hmm. still watch TV. Mm -hmm. Like I'll be, I try and find small things in every day that I'm grateful to be here for Mm -hmm. because that makes me want to wake up the next day. Like I may not be able to go to work, but I can still do arts and crafts Mm -hmm. and I may not be able to be with my family in the UK, but I can still video chat with them every single day. Mm -hmm. So each day I try and I try and find the joy in each day, like a small thing in each day that will make waking up the next day worth mm-hmm. it. For sure. You know, and it's, it's that can-do attitude, you know, that, that will get you to where you want to be. It might not be as fast as you want it to be, right? It definitely won't be as fast <laughs> as I want it to be. <laughs> I knew that was going to be like, oh. <laughs> but, you know, at least, you know, you're making those small steps, right? Because those small steps can take you very far because they add up. They definitely add up. people keep telling me it's the it's the tortoise and the hare Mm -hmm. and i'm the tortoise Mm -hmm. and and the thing is we even with me i try to like really accelerate my my healing and and my recovery process and 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 in certain aspects i've ended up hurting myself even more because i've I've been because i'm like okay i'm gonna push 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 and then i end up breaking my other leg you know, that, that happened to me. I, I literally, a week after I got my, my boot off, I was clear to walk without the boot again. I w- ended up breaking my other leg, my other ankle. And was oh, well for, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? You know, my mom was definitely, definitely not pleased with that. What can you do with a 17-year-old kid, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you You're know, just kids. They never learn. They did. <laughs> well, I learned after that, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I, um, I found when I... So when I eventually got into the pool to do my hydrotherapy, mm-hmm. it's, and I think this definitely happened just after my mum died, mm-hmm. I would get in the spot and I would be swimming for maybe an hour to an hour and a half every mm-hmm. day to two hours. And I really wasn't ready. And I was swimming and swimming and swimming. And I ended up really hurting my back. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had those breaks in my back yeah. and I was like, I'm just going to keep pushing. And I feel like I did that because I was grieving so much that I thought, well, 
I'm just going to keep swimming because when I'm swimming, I'm not thinking about the fact that I can't move. The mm. pool is the only place where I actually feel free because mm. I have weightlessness and yeah. movement. But I was doing this every day and I did this every day for about three to four weeks and then I couldn't, I just broke completely and mm. I couldn't move at all. Yeah. I couldn't move my arms, my neck, my shoulders and I just overdid it to the point of hurting myself mm-hmm. because I thought if I can do this, I'll just get stronger faster. Yeah. And that is not actually the way it works no, at all. No. And you, you said something interesting in the pool was somewhere where you felt free, you know? Yeah. And, that, and for me, that was like the, the best thing that ever happened to me was my uh, rehab support worker took me to a gym. I remember I got my first gym membership because of them, because they're like, oh, you know, it's just going to help you rehabilitate faster so you can get back onto the soccer field. And I was like, okay, if that's going to make me get to the soccer field, great, right? Well, when it ended up happening, it turned into a form of therapy for me, going yeah. to the gym and exercising. And that's kind of what led me into my career right now as a, as a personal trainer here in Toronto. So, you know, you never know what can happen, right? <laughs> yeah, my actually, I, my physiotherapist, Bronwyn, one day she... She was so great. She took me to the national park Mm -hmm. because the only place I feel safe walking really is on my crutches around the block because I'm in a very residential area. And it's, you know, it's not too far and it's not too hard because Mm -hmm. every time I go anywhere public, I have a panic attack. So she took me one afternoon in her own time. It wasn't Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't even part of my physio. She took me to the national park and we just practiced walking sort of just near the car park, up and down a walking track by the river Mm -hmm. because hiking is something I used to do a lot of and being out in nature, I've just, that was the only other place I've really felt free other Mm -hmm. than the pool. Just, yeah. So it's, it's funny that the people who, sort of take care of me they start taking care of me because it's their job Mm -hmm. and then you know you work together so long you strike up these friendships and And relationships it's really yeah sometimes I feel like Bronwyn is more of a therapist to me Mm -hmm. than one like some of the therapists I had early on like I've got a really great therapist now but she um she makes more of an impact in your life than the yeah, others. And it's, yeah, and I guess she's been with me the longest because all of the others sort of transition every now and then. But yeah, I've been very lucky. I've been, I feel that support group that we're in mm-hmm. on Facebook um, for the survivors of car accidents, my yeah. heart breaks every mm-hmm. time someone posts in there. And perhaps it's because I'm in Australia Mm-hmm. And the system, the medical system here is different. And the legal <laughs> system here is different. But I read some of those stories and I think, my God, my heart breaks because if I didn't have my partner, mm-hmm. my twin sister, my dad, my brothers, you know, if I didn't have my friends who, you know, I don't live in the city and they all still come out and visit me every single week. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't have all of these people, I do not know how I would survive yeah. these catastrophic injuries that mm-hmm. I've got. And yeah, 
that's something that I am very, very grateful for. For sure. And the, and that's the thing, you know, after a car accident, especially with a traumatic brain injury, you're easily misunderstood by your friends and family because one, you don't really understand your, your injuries, you know, especially the invisible, you know, brain injuries, but even worse, your family and friends don't understand. And that, what happens oftentimes is that because you're misunderstood, people start kind of distancing themselves away from you because they feel like, oh, this person changed so much, but they don't know why. Yeah, yeah. it's been particularly hard with COVID because, you know, a lot of people, A, mm-hmm. everyone's had a period of lockdown where they're self-isolating or yeah. quarantining. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot of my friends during COVID have also had mental health problems of their own Mm -hmm. and it's like I have to understand the fact that they are having their own psychological battles and cannot be there for me Mm -hmm. and I have to remind myself sometimes that hey they're not being unsupportive of you they just have their own things to deal with and you need to be supportive of them Mm -hmm. but because all my mental power is going into trying to just get through each day I feel guilty for being a a rubbish friend to Mm -hmm. them when in the past I would be that support to other people. Mm -hmm. And this is like the longest period where I feel like I haven't supported anyone around me because I've just been taking their support for so long. Mm -hmm. So it's difficult trying to maintain friendships through COVID and rehab and we're still in COVID. So it's hard that there are people I haven't spoken to who were there for me a lot at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I keep having to remind myself that it's, they don't love me any less. They're just dealing with their own stuff. Mm. But just one more question, just just one more question. You know, if, if, if you can leave us with one piece of advice, what would that be? Don't think too far ahead because if you start thinking too far into the future, you will be overwhelmed with the journey you have to go through. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really just best to take like just each day at a time. And do you know what? Sometimes it's not even each day at a time. I try to take things hour by hour. Mm -hmm. Like for example, today I have a massive day. I've got, hydrotherapy, then physiotherapy, then massage therapy. Mm -hmm. And in between that, I have speech therapy homework. And when I think about it like that, I think, oh, that is a lot to do. So Mm -hmm. instead, I'm just like, what do I have to do in the next hour? And then what do I have to do the hour after that? Mm-hmm. And it's it really is just trying to take it very, very tiny steps at a time. Mm-hmm. No pun intended, since small steps are all I can take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, you still you lose your sense of humor, so that's good, right? <laughs> you know what? If, if I lose my sense of humor, then that's it. Then I, yeah. then I give up. For sure, for sure. My, I understand. my dryness is all I've got left. <laughs> don't, take, don't take my sarcasm. <laughs> take my legs, but don't take my sarcasm. 100%, 100%. Lucy, <laughs> you know, thank you so much for your time. I know you have a huge day ahead of you, you know, with your home care and everything like that. Uh, so I just want to thank you so much for coming on and uh, just sharing your story with the world. And I, I know for a fact a lot of people will find tremendous value in your story and tremendous value in your courage and your strength going through um, all of this. So thank you. 
You're very welcome. Um, I really appreciate you having me. Mm-hmm. I apologize if I repeated myself a lot. I will say one last thing, which mm-hmm. is when people say things like, oh, you have so much courage or you're an inspiration, you have so much strength. Mm-hmm. I always just, I guess I bristle a bit at it because mm-hmm. I don't feel like that's true. Yeah. I feel like the real courage and the real strength are the people around me taking care of me because I'm just waking up and getting mm-hmm. through each day. The people around me are the ones that have taken on the extra responsibility mm-hmm. and the extra work and I really don't feel like I, I feel like I've done what anybody else in my situation would do. And I don't know if that was the same for you, but I don't feel like I personally have really done anything mm-hmm. that, that has taken much. I, I don't feel like I'm an inspiration. I feel like the inspiration are the people around me who mm-hmm. are still putting up with me now that I'm way more demanding than I used to be. You know, and and there you go being humble again, right? You know, and, but you're expressing gratitude for the people who helped you, which is tremendous and very important. So much gratitude. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Again, thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you some more. Oh, anytime. It's been a really nice break from my routine. You can call me anytime you like. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Let me just...